0: Hello everyone out there in the Twitter universe, the uh, YouTube universe, the rest of the universe. Welcome to the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast. This is just me doing what I love to do and talking to some awesome fantasy football minds. Today we'll talk to Nick Script about Nick, some current events, some NFL rumors, some commissioner questions, some of the settings he prefers and some of the leagues that he plays in, some of the players he likes late. And as usual, we'll evaluate a team to see what they recommend to either rebuild or remodel a roster and the steps he takes to do it. So, uh, how about some guest introductions? Um, tell me about yourself. First of all, tell me about yourself, uh, where the Twitter machine can find you and what you do in the fantasy football world that makes everybody want to follow you.
1: All right. Well, for, first and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on, John. It's been nice getting connected with you. Uh, we just were hanging out this past weekend, so now we get to be uh, on screen talking some football here. Um, but, yeah, you can find me at P2WFantasy on Twitter. Um I'm just over a year into content creating there, but uh, I go I go live at least once a week, sometimes uh, twice a week um, with the podcast and make some articles and some other uh, graphics throughout the week um, on the offseason now. So, yeah, it's been awesome just being part of the, uh, the fantasy community and being somebody that puts out a lot of content. And uh, one of the best things about it is connecting with other people like yourself. So, again, thanks for having me on, man. Might have lost John here for a second. Up oh, yeah. there there we go. There's going to an echo on here, and I tried fixing it. I Oh, all right. So I hope uh, – <laughs> I was just going to leave the show by myself there for a second. I had, the, had some notes down, Pat. I was just going to – That's my biggest fear when one I go man on deal. On
0: some, some of these shows. Like, they were to be like, oh, no.
1: <laughs> no, no, it. yeah. The, the, well, the funny thing with my own show, uh, two times it's happened where I got kicked out of my own that I was hosting. So my mm-hmm. guests kind of just hosted for like five minutes or something. But no, all good, all good so I was at uh, saw you do some live rookie stuff the other day how is your
0: rookie draft season going and who do you find yourself um, having the most of and uh, who are you trading up to acquire in your rookie drafts? this is stuff I want to know because we have a draft coming up together that's true
1: yeah I, I kind of hesitate to tell the truth on some of these things right now just because <laughs> I don't want to show my my hand but um, yeah it's it's been going good it's been going good I ha- had some home league drafts recently uh, some other ones just on sleeper with some twitter friends and things like that but Um, I find myself uh, drafting a lot of different guys, but the same two guys over and over and over again. Um, The one is Kyle Pitts, who everybody knows about. Um, I've tried to acquire what it takes to get Kyle Pitts in most leagues just because I think he could potentially bring that Travis Kelsey uh, Darren Waller, George Kittle, positional advantage. So um, with him being that freak athlete who just nonstop making plays is almost a wide receiver, I try to get my hands on him as much as possible. But he's one of the top guys, so, you know, everybody wants Kyle Pitts. But the the other guy that's not not as big as is Kyle Pitts uh, in, in terms of name value is uh, Elijah Moore. Um, I like Elijah Moore a lot. Uh, he had A.J. Brown in tears, his buddy, when he got drafted. Um The guy uh, in college at Ole Miss, um, where A.J. Brown, D.K. went, uh, just a a very good slot receiver, good route running and separation, good hands, but he can line up in other positions. And being on the Jets now with a rookie quarterback, I think he's got a clear chance to get some nice volume right away. So I actually did a YouTube video on Elijah Moore. Um, I have a lot of faith in him getting volume, and I'm a big volume guy. Uh, So I've been trying to get him and trade up for him um, in a lot of of drafts. So I actually – took him kind of early in some, some of the home leagues, just because I knew some other guys, you know, pay attention to certain things. So yeah, Elijah Moore and Kyle Pitts, I'd say are like my two. I want to get both of these guys, Kyle Pitts being that tough one to get. And then Elijah Moore being that guy I'm going to reach for in these drafts. Yeah. That's uh,
0: I got some notes written down for Elijah Moore, just some stuff that everybody knows already, but guy doesn't drop footballs. He runs perfect routes. He's almost like the prototypical slot receiver for the NFL. He's, He'll slot right in pretty much anywhere. He landed in a great spot. So absolutely. that's uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It's that, a good, that's a really good uh, target for anybody that's looking for uh mid-round, mid to late round, first round draft picks. So um, what are some of your favorite rookie sleepers uh, in this year's rookie draft? Like as far as like sleeper sleepers, like not like the first round or second round guys, like something else a little bit deeper than that.
1: Yeah. So um, one one guy that comes to mind right away uh, is Nico Collins. I think he's probably going in the maybe the third round of rookie drafts right now. Um, But again, going back to that Elijah Moore point, uh, Nico Collins is a guy that is stepping into a system where he could immediately line up as the other wide receiver on the outside. So you got Brandon Cooks, who I actually like a lot. Um, on one side, you might have the vet, uh, veteran Randall Cobb as the slot guy. And then uh, Nico Collins, just a big body receiver. If we talk about, you know, the Elijah Moores and the Rondale Moores, and you just go down the list, uh, looking at the profiles of a lot of these rookies, a lot of them have that similar kind of build and bring the similar, you know, agile and gadget sort of play and things like that. And Nico Collins is more of a big body receiver who uh, I think brings a little bit um bit of a difference to this rookie class and some of the other guys. So um, I know the, the, the quarterback situation for tech, you know, the Texans is murky right now. We don't know what's going to happen, but at the same time, if a guy can step in and get some targets in the red zone and be on the field a lot, I like a guy you're grabbing in like the third round of your rookie draft to be a guy that can have potential flex value at some point this year. So um, I'd say that's a guy uh, that, that comes to mind immediately. I don't know if there's a, for, for yourself, if there's a big clear cut, um, sleeper you've been looking at?
0: Uh, you know, those guys that all come around the same area, the Michael Carters, uh, Amari Rogers, uh, you know, Nico Collins. I like Nico Collins. A lot of he's being overlooked because at Michigan, he really wasn't, uh, you know, they, they didn't run a prolific offense over there, so yeah. he kind of got buried, but uh, you know, he's a <laughs> A bad quarterback situation, uh, but he could separate downfield. He's a big dude, ball winner. He's like a Donovan Peoples Jones kind of comp, you know, as far as that goes. Uh, I and I love Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones. I wish he'd pan out this year. Hopefully, he'll have a, he'll have a chance. But
1: yeah. Nico Collins is that when I heard you talking about him, I'm like, damn it, we're going to be chasing the same people in his upcoming draft. So, and, and you mentioned uh, Mari Rogers, who um, I mean, if he's got Aaron Rodgers, but that was the other guy in the, the, the video I, I dropped. So, it sounds yeah. like we're on the same page with some of these guys. <laughs> Thank God I go first in most of these rounds. Or you go right before me. Shit. It's one one or the other. It's one or the other. Back to back. So I'll catch your mistakes if you don't get it. Yeah exactly. <laughs> you'd be the first to, you'd be the first to. So Yeah. What's uh when did you
0: start playing fantasy football? And are you more of a redraft or a dynasty guy? A little bit of both?
1: So to be completely honest, I didn't like just start playing last year or anything like that, but um I didn't play in college because our college coach i played college soccer at lewis university uh he was very very strict about any sort of sports betting um or anything like that so i I didn't play in college because uh they actually monitor that a lot over there um with the ncaa we were division two school but uh right after college my brother um who you you met uh he actually got me into it he was begging me for years and i was like nah nah i don't i I don't know if i want to do it ended up doing a a you know a two redrafts early on and then it shifted into more dynasty play. So I do a little bit of everything right now. I do some uh keeper league I do one keeper league back home. I do some dynasty leagues. I do uh, regular redraft leagues with some buddies from Twitter. So you know my preference I think is um dynasty just because I love that uh you know Madden mode where I'm building a team and keeping that team and shaping it the way I want. But uh yeah I don't I don't have um any issues just playing a redraft as well. So uh, just been a big fan of diving into it head on, and um, uh, I'm overly competitive when it comes to it. So I, I'm a I'm a bad loser, and I just wanna wanna win all the time. So I I just love fantasy. I think this you know you can't be a sports person to play the like
0: competitive levels, and like when and not join anything and not be competitive. Like I say, I when I go to denny's on saturday sunday morning after church or something like that And I'm, there's tic-tac-toes on the on the menu for the kids menu i'm not letting my daughters ever beat me in that like yeah i don't care when they were five years old or four it's not like oh daddy's a little girl go ahead and win like no i bury him you know it, 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 it's when mentality. you go to, when <laughs> when you go to the you know the ice cream shops and they had a the chess board like, i'm still undefeated in chess versus my kids they were in a chess club they still play against each other now but they're never going to win and when they do win it's going to be like my son beat me one time, and it was like, the, like for months, that's all I heard about was how, how they, you know, somebody beat dad. <laughs> somebody beat dad in chess, you know, it's the, uh, we dethroned him. He's, that's it. I still haven't got and my you crown. You don't want to hear, you don't want to hear about that either. So, yeah. And he's never going to let me down. He doesn't want to play me anymore because he doesn't want to lose his crown next time. So he's, he's retiring as a champ, is what he says. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's the same way. Um, out.
1: Even with fantasy, like the home leagues, like it does, if it's basketball or if it's baseball or whatever the case is, I, I hate hanging out with my friends after they beat me. You know, it's just like that mentality. Like I, I you know, yeah. I, it's all for fun. And we, you know, we, ha- we enjoy it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm probably like you and just really love competing. This just fills the void that I
0: have from not playing sports anymore. This is my competitive edge. I oh, still yeah. had that. Absolutely. Like, yeah. This is exactly what it is. What's your favorite host site for fantasy football? I got MFL. I got, you know, a sleeper ESPN. I saw, you know, I saw you're in a couple different kinds of them. And, uh, yeah. you know it's just kind of what what do you like feel most comfortable like navigating through on the host sites now
1: so i and it's going to be you know i get i get a lot of uh stick for it all the time but i actually don't mind espn um for for dynasty it's tough uh even as a commissioner for a league it is tough for dynasty i'd say sleeper is very good for dynasty just because you have the pick trading aspect and the rookie drafts can be right on there but I I like navigating on ESPN and I actually do a lot of research for certain scoring weeks on ESPN. Um, Will Harris, great guy, great guy. Uh, But I I like both. I like both. So a lot of people hate ESPN and they say sleeper is the end all be all. I I enjoy the dynasty features of sleeper, but I actually don't mind navigating through ESPN, especially if I want to just take a look at, you know, what did this guy do in week, Sixteen or fourteen or ten last season, things like that. So, uh, how, b- how about yourself?
0: Oh, there I, you go. I've been, I've been on a little bit longer than than you, uh, a little bit older than yourself. But I, I, we never really had the internet when I first started playing fantasy football in nineteen ninety seven. So we had that we had to bring a piece of paper to the commissioner's house or call him on the phone and. You know, our, when ESPN came out, it was the first site we had. And it was like, ooh, nobody knew how to use it. It took a half hour for it to dial up on your dial-up network to even get the screen. And changing your lineups, your halftime would freeze halfway through. You have to shut the whole computer back down. Oh, man. Start up again. It was absolutely terrible. So, like, 11th, like when you're sitting in church with, like, your mom and dad, and you're, it's like, all right, look at the time. Like, ah, oh, 945 Mass, and we're going to go out to eat. And it's like, it's going to take me a half hour to call my lineup in on ESPN. <laughs> like, this is, I got to get home. Let's go. And if you didn't get your lineup called, then you got a zero for the week. And if, like, there was no such thing as free agency, if your guy got hurt or, you know, something happened, like a Monday night football, if your guy got hurt or didn't, you got suspended or something happened, the first play to get or, you know, three o'clock games come. Like, you don't even know the injury reports now until, like, you know, you know, two o'clock before three o'clock games. Yep, yep. All of a sudden, something pumps up. Those days, you just got a zero. There was no such thing as changing lineups or there was no free agency. There was no nothing. It was just that you got what you got and, you know, okay, you took a loss this week because, you know, Emmett Smith went down or, you know, or this guy wasn't playing even, you know, John Elway wasn't playing that week. So you couldn't play him or Dan Marino. That's how long I've been in there for. I remember having Dan Marino on my team's but uh that was it you just got a zero <laughs> you know seven That's, o'clock games you're watching you're watching oh great I'm watching my backup quarterback uh because my guy's out and I'm getting a zero this week and it just rubs it it rubs it in your face It none of this change lineup stuff but just to answer the question ESPN was what I grew up with you know so we probably had ESPN for about 10 or 12 years before just a couple years ago I switched to Sleepboard because ESPN just kind of fell behind I they're, they're the I mean, yeah. they were like the, the the champion of all sports networks and everything, and they just kind of dropped the ball on on updating their site. They, their dynasty format's still kind of bad, you know, and uh, I don't understand why they wouldn't be the number with all the money they got and all the resources and everything. Why exactly. wouldn't they have the best site known to man? For
1: the, I yeah, that's what I'd be asking too. Uh, you, you would think ESPN, worldwide of sports, the number one, you know, sports company in the world. If if they don't have a team that's looking at sleeper and my fantasy league and saying, hey, we need what's best there, what's best there, and what's best there, and here's all the money for it. I yeah, I don't get that either. It's a good point. No, I
0: I just figured that they. You know, everybody has their glitches. Everybody has their thing. Sleeper is terrible on the, on the uh, you know the home on the desktop version of it. Uh yeah. ESPN is you know it's it's good, but it just has limitations. So many limitations of what you could do. Uh, you know, everybody. The my fantasy league is is great. I don't know if you ever played on my fantasy league or not, but it when you yeah. get used to it, it, it's phenomenal. I mean, you could do tier. I love bonuses. I like games that are two hundred seventy five to two hundred seventy three. Like I want. Uh, you know, after one to 10 yards, you know, get, you get a point uh, at 30 yard run, you get two points, a 50 yard run, you get four points. I want points for every time you blow your nose, you know, every it's time nice. you tie your shoes, you could do all that stuff on MFL. It's, it's great. I mean, it, co- it costs a little bit of money, but there it's terrible on a cell phone. The, yeah. All the de- all the desk people like love MFL, you know, and it's great. If I was a desk person or, uh, you know, worked in an office all day, I'd want MFL too, but it's uh espn just kind of sleeper just kind of took over and sleeper's running with it now they're uh they're making a lot of improvements even on a desktop version there's a lot of improvements i'll give them credit for that too mm-hmm. so they're they're evolving they're they're kind of getting like hey this is what we got to do to be number one or to knock off mfl and to knock off you know espn and cbs and yahoo and all the rest of them this is what we got to do when they're doing it so absolutely give a lot of credit for that so um what, tell me about um, this fit club. I see you posting every morning, and you're at the gym. When I'm about entering work or you know getting off work in the morning, I see you getting up and getting all buff. How does uh how does that work? And who's all involved in it with
1: you? I don't know. I don't know about the buff part, but no, it's uh it, it was cool. So the 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 first guys that I saw do it, I think was Troy King, and then. John Helmkamp got involved in it. And then I think there's some other guys that I don't, we don't follow each other. So I didn't really see their stuff. But um, I saw people on Twitter just posting, you know, hey, fantasy football, you know, community people doing different um, workouts or talking about fitness related things, whether it was food or, you know, diets or um, being at the gym, changes of lifestyle, things like that. So I, th- I thought it was pretty cool to be honest um, for myself. Uh, again, being a former college soccer player going to the gym and and working out and and all those things have always been a very important piece of my life. But like posting things and then like seeing, you know, other people tag me in it and, you know, saying little things like, hey, you know, I've been motivated to, to do this, this and this because I see guys like you and guys like Troy and whoever else, you know, getting after it. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because for me, again, personally, I wasn't really doing anything different. I was just posting it and you know, I don't typically post it on Facebook or um, Snapchat or things like that, but seeing the fact that, you know, I would post it and then people would like comment and then do their own thing and tag me. And it was motivating others. I liked it a lot. So I, I thought it was a cool aspect of the fantasy football community that, um, there is this aspect of being healthier and doing things and doing it as a group where people are excited to share it and, um, you know, tag people and comments and boost each other. So, yeah, again, nothing new for me, but I, I love the fact that it's been like the spider web of a bunch of people doing stuff. So super cool feature of the community.
0: It was nice to see John camp and everybody else kind of like jumping in there. And then, like you said, it was other people with the Fit Club, the other fantasy community guys would, would get up. And I haven't worked out in five years, but I'm joining the Fit Club now. And I did this. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I I'm I always had LA Fitness membership. I had it for a while, and I, for a couple of years anyway. But I go in there and I hit the sauna first and then the pool, you know, run back and forth, you know, stretch out and then go do a little bit of weights and uh you know, maybe hit the treadmill a little bit, but everything's closed. It's been closed for like a year now. Yeah, they just opened yeah. up again. No hot tub, no sauna, no stuff like that. And I, I like to get myself like ready first and then do that. Some people like to go in there and just hit the iron right away, do whatever. I like to go in the pool and swim like twenty laps, run a couple laps back and forth, do karaoke, you know, some stretches, stuff like that. And then, mm-hmm. then I feel good about lifting weights. But you know, some people don't have the time, or some people just have their own. Like I got to get in there and get out and, and get it done. And that's yeah, you know, it's the way it is for some people. I'm I'm a little bit lazier and a little a little more sloshish. Slothish, I guess. So uh... it's
1: it's tough though because when you're young, you don't have anything else to worry about. Um, And then as life goes on, you get more and more commitments. Even like myself with my uh, ten-month-old, you know that's a factor. I can't be gone at the gym for two hours or something like that when I should be at home helping out. But um, yeah, it was was a was a rough time with with everything being closed. But um, it's been nice to to go back and you know kind of get out of the house Mm -hmm. to do something you know every now and then.
0: Yeah, I had four kids, and my wife worked second shift. So I had four babies under the age of uh, probably 11 years old at, by myself at night after work every day. And I was still dropping off of babysitters and dropping them off here and picking them up after. And I coached football and baseball, and I was the head coach and assistant coach, of all these teams. And, you know, thinking back now, like if I had to start over and you got to do all that stuff every day, I, I don't know how I did it back then. I, I just, I don't know where I found the energy or the the time. And then I did, you know, I'd have to give them all baths when I got home and make them dinner and you know my wife would make dinner and stuff but I'd cut it up for them or you know the babies feed them put them in their bed give them baths and then I'd still find time for Madden when they're all in bed you know and that was uh my, like two or three hours of Madden but forget about sleep forget about sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh I had those days that they were great but uh, you know I'll never, i will there I would never trade them for all the memories we made so Oh, absolutely what's your favorite uh, Sunday afternoon or you know you're munching food when you're glued to the TV watching Scott Hansen on red Zone?
1: yeah so uh just speaking of food specifically because I uh, I, I love my Sundays to, to hang out and have some beers on the couch but um, I'm a big uh I mean everybody loves pizza everybody likes see the the sides and stuff I'm a big salsa guy um, I I don't know why but I always get on Sundays we'll have um, my wife and I, we usually host a lot of things, so we'll just buy a bunch of stuff. but I always make sure that uh, come Sunday I got like two different types of hot salsa and then some you know for the the, the girls at the house um, that don't like that stuff. But yeah, you know, pizza, salsa, whatever the case is, you know, I, I try to eat decent during the week, so on Sunday, the footballs on Chris Hansen. That's like the signal to crack open the beer and have some uh, pizza and uh, chips and sauce and things like that. So, what, what about you? What about you? Yeah, when Chris Hansen when he starts talking, it's like yeah. You it's, know, I usually film it, I film the countdown like almost every time, like on my phone, and I just like send it out to Snapchat. It'll be like the the five, four, and then everybody gets excited. So oh, I, I love that.
0: Red zone is like crack for fantasy football players. It's 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 the best thing in the world. You know, it's oh, man. awesome. I we used to go to Jamesons all the time when I first moved out here. I had a bunch of I ran the neighborhood league. I there was two two leagues I ran. I was a commissioner of two neighborhood leagues. So we all got together around here, and Jamesons on a block would have it was half price appetizers, um, eight dollar pizzas, and eight dollar pizzas, and then uh, like two dollar or dollar bottles. You know, on Sunday afternoon all day long, my the girls, the ladies would just drop us off. And then we get lost all day long when the 10, of, everybody, everybody would get like, you know, hammered and one by one people would file out and I got to, you know, they just disappear, pull the average goodbye, you know, one by one. I'm mm-hmm. one of the people I, I'd, I'd, last all day. You know, I'd, I'd sit there and drink, yeah. of, you know, all this stuff and 1030, 11 o'clock. I'm calling my wife. She's sleeping already. And what the hell? You know, <laughs> so what time to the game then, man. Yeah. it was, I mean, it's then we go to different bars and stuff. I've gone to a couple other places around here too, but when we're in the garage, just having a couple people over, uh. You know, we'll get pizza sometimes or we have a garden. We just, me and my daughter just started this year. So my wife will, we'll pick a bunch of tomatoes and peppers and stuff, make some pico de gallo and, you know, make it all fresh right then and there that morning. So it's, I got to
1: bring some over one of these, one of these weeks. You'll have to, you have to, it's a good day to relax. I know a lot of people in the community, they sit there and say that they have the notepads out and, um, you know, they're breaking stuff down and getting articles ready. But man, after a full week of like doing anything content related, for me personally, I just like doing exactly what you just talked about. I used to do the same thing: go to Anthony's bar in Joliet. We go there a lot, or we pop around to some other places, or just at home and relax. So I think Sundays like that ultimate—you know, eat whatever you want to do, and have a good time, and watch football. So
0: yeah, that's I, you know, I know we never had to worry about that. I guess that's right from the get-go. We always had a situation where we never had to keep scoring our fantasy football leagues. We had to wait until Tuesday afternoon. When the Monday, when the late Monday night sports edition was and, and the Chicago Sun Times came out Tuesday, we'd go into box scores, tally up all of our scores because you only had, there was no PPR or tight end premium yeah. or anything like that. You just got a touchdown or a field goal or a defensive touchdown. So you go in there and write down all the stuff and you turn in a your commissioner
1: and you found out Thursday if you won or not. You know, that was kind of how. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I've never experienced something like that. But with you playing that and now everything's at the, you know, in your hands and updates in real time, it's got to be crazy to have that transition and not have to worry about something like that.
0: Yeah. I don't, you know, here's the thing is I, I, I have a, I have a couple subscriptions that, you know, DLF and a couple other places. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I saw you, I showed you a couple of my, uh, my spreadsheets, my Google Docs and Google Sheets. And, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll take a lot of DLF stuff. And, the, like you know, Mike Taglier, I hung out with him for a while. I love his stuff. I'll take his rankings, a couple other people's rankings. I'll average them all together. And then I'll like, kind of take my rankings and move guys around, move them back and forth. So, you know, I don't make rankings. I'm not going to say, like, I'm going to start doing rankings at 45 years old. You know, like, yeah, this is how – there's professionals that get paid to do this kind of stuff. And, oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're way more accurate than I'm ever going to be. So, I just take the, the the guys who I trust the most – put all our stuff together, and then when it's all said and done, I'll move a couple guys up, three or four spots, or five or six spots, or if I know, I'll highlight them, you know, where they're at in the rankings, and I trend. I trend the top 250 every month. You know, I think DLF's got like a 350 uh, people now, so I'll I'll trend that every month, and I'll say, you know, here's this date, and then since then, he's moved up 14 spots, or he moved, he's moved up 17 spots. I'll do that with all top 350, and I'll do it with the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends every month, so I, you can look at those things all you want to, but I'm putting the time in and I, I see firsthand who's moving, who's doing whatever, you know, And instead of having to click on a player and see what he's doing and kind of remember that. Yep. I, and yep. I, I color code them red, blue, green, you know, depending on how far they moved up, or where they moved up or moved down, you know, as far as that goes. So I kind of have firsthand on like what's going on. I, I really have like a, the, I really have a beat for the NFL, of what's going on with the players uh, across the board in every position. So it's you have a good it, system it really kind of sucks when you're doing it with tight ends and it's the same four guys all the time and everybody else just like one big jumble thing in the middle and you yeah. know, running backs, it's the same thing running backs. I've, I'm noticing more and more. Some people don't have, you know, they'll, they'll just, I see, you wouldn't believe how many people just don't draft running backs. They do that. The, you know, the no, no RB system, but they win and they, they, they get like the Kareem hunts and the, you know, the Le'Veon bells and shit like that. And, and they'll, uh, <laughs> And they, they win these leagues because the quarterbacks and wide receivers, they, you know, they they punted and they got Josh Allen and, you know, Kyler Murray and a couple good receivers. And then they get Kareem Hunt, who's a PPR back. He got him in round 12 or round 14. And, and he was
1: like top 12 or something this year, yeah. right? Or top 10.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, it's a great
1: system. I just can't pull the trigger on that because I like running backs too much. But maybe I'll, I'll have you, to evolve to, to survive, you know. Me too. I, I don't know if I can change change from that because I, I see some people attempt to do that sort of thing. And, you know, they stack the wide receivers and then their starting running backs are scoring, you know, seven points a week. And stuff. I, I'm the opposite. I'm probably like you said you might be. And I'm a big running back grab them guy because I feel like the value a little bit different than the, you know, 100 wide receivers that can do good for fantasy. So.
0: You know, the other thing too is that I'm in, I'm in no redraft leagues anymore. I was in like 13 or 14 leagues. Yeah. You know, the to redraft dynasty. Now I just do nothing but dynasty. Now it's so much more, you know, it's like I've evolved. At first, when I was on nothing but redraft, I'm like, who the hell would do that dynasty thing? You got to know all these people coming up through. I'm not a Debbie guy, and I'll never be an hmm. IDP guy. But I do know, like, when, when these rookies come out, I never really paid attention before, before dynasty. And last couple of years, I've really kind of gotten into it. Like, I, again, I go through all these people's rankings of these, these, uh, their rookies coming in and I'll walk around all day working my headphones in just take notes about what everybody's saying about whoever you know and, and and I got tons and tons of notes about everybody the super deep sleepers that I love that you know some people never even heard of before you know like I think I was telling you about before about that guy Jalen Camp that um you know I, a lot of people never heard of this guy but he's definitely one of my deep sleepers I'm not sure if he will play this year but he's like a Megatron body type guy he's he bench pressed 30 times as a wide receiver he's a uh, I mean, he ran a four, four, three and he had a forty inch vertical as a wide receiver and and the kid's six foot two, two, thirty. Like that's unbelievable.
1: yep, yep. And, and a guy like and a guy like that who probably knows like, hey, I'm a sleeper. I got these abilities and a guy that can bench something like that, that doesn't just happen overnight. So, you know, the guy's probably working at it nonstop. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to hear some people's deep round guys because, again, I'm like you, I I do a lot of listening and note taking and then comparing the notes. I don't sit there and pretend to break down film. I I just don't. Um, you know, I'll watch things on, you know, I don't know, highlights of stuff, things like that, but I'm the same way. I'm a big listener and guys that I trust, I'll take notes and then I'll compare things all the times. But yeah, you run into some sleepers that nobody knows about that end up panning out to be, I don't know, even a flex for a few weeks or something like that. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I, I call
0: that like. I, there's a lot of guys who are like self-proclaimed film watchers, you know. In there, I played football since I was in fourth grade all the way through college. You know, like I, I. I the way I look at it is, if I don't know the play right from the get go. If I don't know it's a, you know, 32 wide spider banana or something like that, you know, whatever play is called, how do you know that the quarterback's not, low, but that, that he didn't take the proper steps, that he, who he was looking at, who was the primary receiver, who was the secondary receiver, who was the third receiver, what did he miss on that play? Uh, when I'm watching the running back, when he's supposed to be, it's a 32 blast, how do I know he, he was supposed to go to the, the two hole? I just didn't read the hole and went this way, or went right, or bounced it out, or do did whatever. I didn't follow the play. I see something like plays where I'm watching the offensive lineman and they're making this play that you could drive a Mack truck through, and he just went the opposite way and got tackled in the backfield. And I'm like, this obviously that guy. You know, I could see the offensive line formation where they're blocking at, where their butts are at, how they're getting the ball open, and so I don't know how how you'd be able to watch film and be an accurate film watcher
1: not knowing the play. I, I mean, you see the guys that do the whole freeze the frame and circle the guy and do the arrows and stuff like that. It just, I don't know, takes a, takes a lot of time. And I think, I think there's certain people that have like been there and have done it professionally. I had uh Sam, uh, his his accounts fantasy scouts. I had him on the podcast, and he actually was a college coach and he was involved with the Browns. So like a guy like that, when he's talking to me about breaking down film, I'm like, man. You've done it before to a high level, and you know I, I can get that. But other people like to dive in, and I don't think you know you have to say you have to have X amount of experience to do it. But uh, it's it's interesting to see the the different types of approaches to breaking down film because I think it is very very different from the approach to like you said. This guy can read what sort of play it was supposed to be versus this guy can see hey this guy got tackled and he shouldn't got tackled, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean anybody can watch our highlights and be like, wow, look at how fast he ran, or he broke a tackle fifteen yards downfield, or he juke out the Touch, safety. like touchdown. I wanna to know what he did originally to get open that way. Did he it did, was the play I mean, was it one of those things where it's Alabama playing like, you know, Chicago lighthouse House for a blind where just killing people and everybody had wide open plays or there was there was no competition. I wanna see the games when It's Alabama, you know, versus Clemson, and the real mistakes happen because it's elite players on both sides of the ball. And it, one small mistake is, is enough to break up a play in those kind of games. You know, that's I'd yep. love to know the play calls on those, and it's it, right from the get go, see, you know, what happens on those plays. But it's just a guessing game for me, trying to watch for you know, having to watch film and football, you know, throughout high school and in college. I, I, I kind of know, like. I, I'm, I'm sitting in the back room this week because I know we're all going to get screamed at for this game or whatever. You know, I, I know what to yep. look for, what we're supposed to look for. I just don't know what to look for on, on NFL films besides highlights. So yep. um, what's uh, what's your favorite hobby now before or, or before fantasy football? Um, and is this play to win experience 100 uh, percent passionate for you right now? Or, you know, just I guess, you know, being a dad's a big part of your life, too. But what's uh, what's your favorite hobby before now? And uh, just tell me about what you what you do for fun.
1: Yeah, so uh, soccer's always been a, a big part of my life. And it, it actually hasn't been a hobby coaching because it's been a side job since I've been 16. Um, but I've been coaching club soccer since I've been 16. I'm 29 now, so it's a decent amount of years. Coached um, Coached uh, college soccer as well. Um, so that, that, that's that been a big piece of something outside of my household because obviously being a father and a husband are number one above everything. Uh, but that's been a big piece. Um, and then I, I I like to just hang out with the family a lot. My I, I told you and you got to meet some of them, but my my parents live from my house like three minutes away. My brother <laughs> lives like three and a half minutes away. My other brother uh, lives probably seven minutes away. My wife's family lives pretty close. So, you know, I, I, I feel like I have a lot of friends to hang out with, but I like hanging out with the family more than anything. So uh, I'd say soccer, coaching soccer has been a big thing hanging out with family and then, um, yeah, getting together for sports and things like that. The P2W, it started off as, as just a um, a COVID thing. To be honest, I was working from home. My wife came home from work one day and I told her, I said, hey, I, I started a fantasy football site and a Twitter page. And she kind of laughed at me and she's like, oh, I mean, that's, that's cool, I guess. So, you know, that sort of thing. Like, oh, he's getting into something new. And I just did it with the intent of, hey, I like to write. I've always been a a writer. Um, I like to write. Uh, I wonder if I write about fantasy, if people will read my articles. So that was like my big thing. And gradually, you know, oh, I'm getting some reads. I'm gonna get some reads. Uh, I'm gonna get connected with some other people in the fantasy community. Um, I'm gonna have certain guys that are way bigger than me write a paragraph in my article, and I just like kept building. And it turned from a hobby to something very serious. Now I'm signed a contract to be partnered up with uh fantasy points media group uh i got that going on got a set uh, show every thursday with Steffi smalls and then I, I i'm just non-stop producing stuff so um it's become more of a uh almost i'm not gonna say a way of life but um a little bit more than a hobby but not like the end all be all i'm gonna drop my day job and you know my family to do this so something in, in between there hopefully the day job you could drop, but not the family. <laughs> we'll no, I can't. Yeah, can't do, can't do that. Can't do that, and I definitely can't drop the day job either because I got some bills to pay for. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's great, man. I I love to
0: hear this story. I see more and more. Like I've been following you for a while, and um, the more and more I watch you, the more and more I see you're putting content out. And you know, I look at your Twitter page, and it's bam, bam, this and a new, you know, little uh, like nice little like stories or nice little questions or nice little you know, hey, what would you do here? And It's super nice to see that you're, you know, really into this and you're promoting yourself and you're promoting your product and and you're doing a great job of doing it. So it's uh, good for you, man. I'm, I'm glad you're following that. your passion. Mm, it's So we got That's some it. current events here. We got uh, the NFL schedule came out and, you know, being a Southside Irish kid who's been to a lot of White Sox games, I've already kind of solidified my plans to go watch the White Sox play the Indians September 23rd, 24th and 25th and then at, at Progressive Field. And then I'm going to watch the Bears play the Browns on a 26 at the first energy, energy stadium. So we're going to get a back-to-back-to-back-to-backer kind of sports game, sports uh, experience for the weekend. We do those a lot. So, you know, we call these back-to-backers when two sports teams play in the same city in the same weekend. Uh, I went and saw Tom Petty when uh, when he played in, when he's in Detroit, when the Bears played the Lions the same weekend. You know, when the White Sox played the Tigers and you know, the Blackhawks were in the Stanley Cup kind of stuff. I went to those games. Like, it's uh, – we like doing those kind of things, and it's this is a nice experience this year where it's kind of worked out where it was the same city where two teams are playing. It doesn't happen all the time. Hmm. so um, what's uh, who do you think's got the easiest schedule and who's got the murderer's role this year for um for the NFL schedule? how when it came out, who got screwed
1: and who uh, who made out like bandits? So uh, <clears throat> I think there's a bunch of teams you can address and say, hey, you know, they they got a fairly easy schedule, but then you have to look and say, hey, well, it's, I mean, their conference isn't too hard anyways, so is it really an easy schedule? Things like that. Or, or on the flip side, you know, a, a team might play a few decent teams that were in the playoffs, but now they're playing, um, you know, a handful of teams that were under 500 in this season. But uh, the Texans stand out as one team that has a difficult schedule, and it comes with a combination of a difficult schedule and a difficult team in themselves. So um, you look at the state of the Texans right now, and it's not looking too bright. And then you look at the schedule, the Browns, the Bills, the Colts, Rams, Dolphins, Titans. They're playing the Titans and the Colts multiple times. I mean, these are two good teams, the 49ers. uh, I mean, they're playing a lot of teams that were above 500 or playoff teams last year that shouldn't really regress too much. So for a team that is in a really bad state right now. I think this is going to be a team that might contest to be a bottom two or three team in the league unless things really swing up for their quarterback situation and um, maybe adding a piece or two. But I think the Texans are going to struggle this year uh, just based off of the opponents on their schedule. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Watson on there, but I, I, if I was
0: the Texans, uh, you know, I would want as soon as they settle in court or whatever. They, I heard a rumor. I heard a, I saw an article today that. So that people are talking about settling in court right now, so they don't have to go through the whole court process. And there's not nothing, no other dirty laundry gets you know brought out to the public and just kind of seal the envelope, call it a day, and get back on the field. That sort of small NFL suspension kind of thing is what it looks like. But if I'm the Texans, I, I as soon as he gets back and gets released, is able to be traded, I send him away for two, three first round picks, maybe you know, maybe you know, first and second round picks for a couple years to some team that's you know near the top. And you just need a quarterback away, you know, like, the, you know, the Broncos or something like that. And, uh, you know, just I, I do whatever I could to start rebooting the franchise, because it's if it's all you have is a quarterback right now and a bunch of players that, are, you know, you need to rebuild everywhere on the Texans. It's not like they have one or two glaring yep. spots. They're they're across the board. Terrible. So um, that's what I would that's what that's what I, I would do if I was them. But that's a uh, hard schedule.
1: Yeah, yeah, and both both sides of the ball they struggle um, a bit. I mean, the offense. Deshaun Watson had a great season, but again, if for some reason he's not playing every game or he gets traded, uh, if it's Mills or Tyrod Taylor, you know, I, I like a guy or two on that team, but otherwise, I, I don't know. Um, on, the, on the flip side, you you, you mentioned the Broncos. Um, just talking about that, but I, I think that they have a fairly easy schedule, and I know that they're a team that. Is rumored to be wanting to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, or you mentioned Watson. Maybe they take a shot on him. They just brought in Teddy Bridgewater, but you you look at the teams they played last, uh, or the teams that they play this year and what they did last year the Giants, the Jaguars, Jets, Raiders, Lions, Bengals, Eagles, Chargers. These teams might have gotten better, but I don't think any of these teams have taken massive steps to be big contenders this year. So I think the Broncos schedule, um, Allows for plenty of of weeks where they should get a, a, a W if they can actually be competent on offense and their defense is healthy. Their defense actually has some good pieces, uh, but they were very banged up last season. So um, I'm not going to say the Broncos are going to be this, you know, dark horse playoff contender, something like that. But again, when we just listed off a bunch of these teams, a lot of these teams were pretty bad last year, might have gotten better, but still shouldn't be too, too hard on the schedule. Yeah, that's you know, Warren Sharp put out
0: his uh, you know, the five easiest uh, the easiest schedules 49ers, Broncos, Browns, the uh 2021 Super Bowl Miami Dolphins and then the Buccaneers. There and you then go. uh <laughs> the five <laughs> hardest schedules would be the Bengals, the Lions, Texans, Steelers, and Raiders. So Houston, like you said, not, you know, not only is just kind of banged up team but a terrible schedule too and it's uh it's going to be a brutal year for them. They're hoping for a number 1 draft pick and they they need it. So absolutely. But uh So I heard a little bit of rumor, rumorville, and we talked about Utah, I heard you and Stephanie talk about Tim Tebow after nine years. Yeah. He's back to break all the tight end records and get his gold jacket, you know, make the hall of fame with his, with his major comeback. What do you think about that situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, he hasn't played in a while. And when he did play, he was just like, okay, I guess in the league, but uh, I made the joke on the podcast. It's like Urban Meyer is going to the party, the is the Jaguars, and he's saying, Hey, can, can my, my friends come with me and he's trying to bring in um, some familiar faces. So I think Tebow might be a decent locker room presence. I think from a marketing standpoint, if he's on the field, people might be more excited, you know, if he's in the red zone or something like that. So Um, is he going to be a big impact for fantasy? I don't think so. Um, I, I posed that question on the podcast because if you look at a lot of your home leagues, guys don't follow football as much as maybe you and I do. And a lot of people actually spent some top dollar fab on the off season on Tim Tebow, which I think (laughs) is a, is a mistake, right? But, uh, I think he's just bringing in one of his guys, right? You see this happen in all sports where a coach comes in and he brings some former, um, players or former assistance and things like that and then um, somebody said earlier on Twitter I saw is uh, any sort of media could be good media you know in terms of you know drawing attention from fans and you know the news and things like that so uh, that was an interesting one just to put it kind of bland. I don't think he's making the team
0: I think he's there right now to just take a lot of pressure off a, an up-and-coming young team like uh, you know they instead of like you know how a lot of teams will just create a lot of drama. Like the Patriots are real good about this, doing stuff like this. You know, the, oh, Tom Brady, this, or Gronkowski did this, or somebody did this. They got a big name in Tim Tebow and he's creating tons and tons and tons of press. This keeps all the young players, uh, a new coach, a new, t- you know, a, a, a kind of a, I mean, a really, really rebuilding team. It keeps all the heat off the rest of these guys, these guys to answer questions from the media or not. You know, instead of, like, what do you think about the playbook? What do you think about, uh, you know, your teammates? Yeah. What do you think? They're, they're answering questions about Tim Tebow, and they were already told, like, hey, here's the, here's what you say when somebody asks you about Tim Tebow. Here's your page. Say he's a great teammate. He's a great locker room presence. He's, happy. he's fun to be around. You know, it, there's no pressure at all with these rookies because they're answering easy questions now. And I think that might be – the mar- it may be just a marketing ploy just to kind of, hey, sell some jerseys. Hey, you know, kind of this is what's going on in our camp. But completely just let the rest of the team just build in the background like without any kind of dis- disturbances at all. So yeah, I think it's a yeah. fun plan, but I don't think he's going to make the
1: team. So Even if he does, I think I think he'd be a guy that y- you might see in just like a red zone area as a decoy uh, or something like that. I mean, he's going to line up out wide – and people are going to say, oh, man, you know, they're going to do something cute with Tebow and, and do nothing with him. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know because they're, they're tight end. They're tight end room. They you know, he drafted uh, one of his tight ends out of Ohio State, who's not really, you know, a, a big time prospect or anything like that. And the other guys on the depth chart are not anybody worth even really talking too much about. But at the same time, I don't think you expect a former quarterback to come in and be like the. Gronk return we saw last year from a guy who's a Hall of Famer. No, not at all. It's uh, not at all.
0: We'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, I was going to ask some questions about Julio, or Aaron Rodgers, where are they going? But I think we, you know, everybody kind of knows those guys, I think they're just staying on their team. I don't think, I don't think the Falcons are really trying to trade Julio. They, they you know, as much as they say they are, it's like <laughs> he's been there the whole time. Money is a situation, but people just find a way to make salary caps work. I, I don't know how Atlanta's going to do it. They're so far into it, but I don't think Julio's going anywhere, and I don't think Rod- Rogers is in the same situation. You know, they're, 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 they can get a little bit of cap uh, ease after the June, where June first uh, uh, year ends or the year starts over again. So, I, but I don't think he's going anywhere anyway. He just wants a couple. He wants a little bit more, more money and some respect, and I think they're they're going to give that to him, make him happy, maybe bring in some free agent receivers and. Uh, you know they're that close to. I mean they were that close to going going to the Super Bowl this year, and uh, if they make him happy and bring in a couple more decent receivers with the team they already have, you know that's. I, I think he's not going. He'll, he'll be in Green Bay and and uh, they'll be that close to going to the Super Bowl again this year. But I don't, I don't think they're going to make it. So, um, Travis Etienne, is he playing wide receiver, running back in the NFL? What, what's I hear he's lined up at wide receiver, not even playing running back. But that's again more camp drama.
1: What do you think yeah. about that? Um. I, I think a lot of coach shocks been happening right now. I, I think when you take a running back in the first round, he's going to be involved. You spent the draft capital on a running back when they had a lot more um, positional ne- uh, needs uh, that they could have addressed. Um, Etienne, 2019, 37 catches for 432 yards. 2020, 48 catches for 588 yards. So he actually progressed early on. Um in college, freshman, sophomore year, not really involved in the passing game, but each year he got a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, and he had the guy that he's on the team with now throwing him the ball. So uh, I can see a scenario where he starts the season lining up in different areas on you know third down and things like that and gets involved in the passing game, but eventually is a guy that probably takes over this backfield. So um, I don't think the keys are going to be his for the running game right away. But uh, any sort of rumor that, you know, he's going to end up being a wide receiver, I think, is just uh, some some coach talk. But he's a guy that got better in college pass catching. So we'll, we'll see what the usage is like. Um, again, 48 catches his senior year. If you looked at the last handful of running backs that came out of college, uh, CEH had 55, so he had more. But guys like Swift and Jacobs and Dobbins didn't have that amount of uh, passes caught their senior year or their last year of college. So he he, he can do it. But I think again, he's going to be used as a running back eventually. Forty-eight is a lot of catches for for a running back in college.
0: That's, Absolutely, that's, that's tons. Um, I, you know, etm, what a far way he's come. I, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I put an article in our show notes here, but this said that how scared he was to catch the ball when he was a freshman and sophomore at Clemson. He, he was afraid to to turn around and look forward, fearing that when he when he did catch it, if he turned around, people would wait near to just destroy him when he caught it. So he was so petrified of getting the ball thrown to him, and as the year went on, like you said, the progression, the, he just becomes such a fluent pass catcher now. And you know, it's uh, it's nice to see that that the kids can evolve like that, especially a talented player like Etienne. You know, it's uh, I love I love you know hearing stories how someone overcame their fears and you know turned it into something awesome like that. So,
1: and it's got to so. be comforting, like working with Trevor Lawrence the last two seasons, and now you're right back with him. It's not like we have to draw these questions and say, well. You know, Etienne did it in college, but now he's with a quarterback that doesn't really throw to the running back at all. We can kind of discredit those discrepancies and say, hey, he's in the same sort of, maybe not the same team, but with the same sort of guy that can do what, you know, they've been doing. So,
0: Yeah, that's a, that, that team has got an awesome depth already. I mean, they're building so fast and they're making the right decisions. Now, everybody says, why would you take a running back in the first round? Like you said, the continuity, first of all, to walk in with that kind of continuity where your quarterback and your running back – trust each other so much. Yeah, you can't replace that. I mean you could there could be a camp or a year or two it goes through or but to know exactly where he's gonna be on all his out routes or you know on his wheel routes on his little screen passes where his footsteps are going to be at when he how he blocks, you know what he knows what the blitz pickups already. He knows where to pick up guys. He knows what he knows already what's going on in Trevor Lawrence's head. And that, that's irreplaceable.
1: Yeah and uh I, I think it's been more common lately that organizations are looking to make their franchise quarterbacks happy with the decisions they make in the draft. You had Patrick Mahomes voicing that he wanted CEH. They went and got CEH. Joe Burrow wanted Jamar Chase. They went and got Jamar Chase. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence, he was with uh, Etienne his whole career or whatever the case is. So they went and got him. So it's interesting to see that these organizations are looking to please and make their franchise quarterbacks happy and putting put them in situations where they're comfortable to succeed
0: yeah I was so pissed with the Dolphins were you know I was waiting for Jamar Chase to go to Miami and I'm like these yeah. Bengals they're supposed to take you know the the tackle uh Penny Sewell, Sewell. Yeah, yeah and I'm like oh no that what are you doing I mean we ended up with a pretty good receiver but it's not exactly who I wanted but uh it is what it is they got a good yeah. you know the they got a receiver that covers the middle of the field. I feel like that's going to be bad for Mike Gusecki, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. That's why they play the games. Um, yeah. What is, uh, what does Zach Moss, when, what week does Zach Moss take over the RB one spot and on his way to his 2000 yard season
1: this year. When do you think Man. that's going to happen? Man, that's a two part question right there. Yeah. Um, this past season, uh, if you look at him and Singletary, so some people will put the greater than sign on Moss or Singletary and they go back and forth about that, but neither guy was very consistent this past season. But I will say Zach Moss was the guy that can score touchdowns. Um this past season, I think he had yeah, he had five total touchdowns to Singletary's two. We know that the 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 red zone running back in that system is Josh Allen. Um, but Zach Moss, we saw some good flashes week eight versus New England 14 for 81 and two touchdowns, 20 fantasy points, um, eight healthy weeks. He was under 10 points though, so that's a big you know question mark there. But he also had um, four weeks between the 10 to like the 13 range for fantasy. So um, if somebody does take over the backfield, I, I do agree and think that it should be Zach Moss over Devin Singletary and uh, Matt Breida now. Um, but I think the big thing is just going to be consistency for the yards per carry and the touches and the touchdowns and things like that. Um, if, if it keeps going back and forth between – this game is Singletary. This game it's Moss, and then Breida is just annoying in some games. Then it's going to be uh, tough. But um, you put that number out there, two thousand, so you must be pretty confident in, uh, in uh, Zach Moss here. I own him pretty much in every league I'm in, so it's one of those things you where have I,
0: to. You have I, to. <laughs> I thought for sure he was a bigger, faster, stronger version of Singletary. I'm like, this is this is what's going to happen. He's going to take over, and uh, they want Josh Allen is evolving as a passer. He doesn't have yes. to take so many runs now. So at some point in time, I don't think Josh Allen's is never going to knock and run the ball. It's in his blood to be a running quarterback. It's in his blood to tuck it and run. It's just what he does. But the more and more he throws and the better receivers they give him, the less he's going to be running. So, you know, when they're up big, they're going to be up big in some of these games upcoming this year because they're such a good team. And on top of that. They have a great defense. They have a great defensive coordinator. They have a great weapons. They have, they're have they going to be at a, at a point where they're going to rerun the ball, and it doesn't need to be Josh Allen running the ball every time. There's going to be yeah. weeks where Zach Moss has 15, 18, maybe even 20 carries a game, which – you know it's it's not I know they share the workload there a lot, but if 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 there's a running back that's taking over the job and getting all the carries because he's purely a better running back than than the number two it's i think it's going to be Zach Moss so two thousand yards obviously is a uh <laughs> a bit of a stretch there, but i'm optimism, optimism. my guy optimism. takes over a little bit optimistic, yep. yeah, I'll take optimism. It's not a, hey, but not it, no but it,
1: but it, uh, I agree if if it is somebody in the system and other people are still hanging on to their singletary shares but I think just seeing a few flashes of Zach Moss and then seeing that he actually can find the end zone I think he's got the best chance and they to his benefit they didn't add anybody you know in the draft or um in free agency that's a big name you know Aaron Jones was like a big you know where's this guy gonna go and he stood you know in Green Bay and things like that but uh he's got a chance year two year two for a running back so yeah it was uh
0: we were at McBride's watching day one you know day two uh I forgot where we we're at. I don't, but we. I watched every pick that, but the, the that that uh, the Bills had, and, and I'm like, oh, come on! Cross my fingers. Not a running back. Not a running back. Not a running back. And they laid off, and I was so happy. So, you know, even if they pick up somebody now who's, uh, you know, that uh, you know, a waiver wire guy at this point in time, the teams have already got so much depth right now. There's not that many running backs available on the waiver
1: wire. You know, for for early, the early, the out there still. <laughs> he's not a bad back I mean he's if he, if, you know he's not he's not he's not and a lot of people will say he's got you know terrible knees and things like that but I promise you if a team is a contending team like the Bills or one of these other teams like is is he gonna demand 80 million dollars and you know a signing bonus no he's not but could he make your team better in certain areas of the field maybe maybe not for the Bills but just in general I mean, the guy's a touchdown machine, and it's in the red zone. He's awesome. He's, oh yeah, he, yeah. It's uh, undeniable that
0: if you can get a guy like Gurley on, I mean, you know, the a team-friendly contract for maybe one year, maybe I probably not even a two-year, just a one-year contract, like you said, a win-now team, and give him ten touches a game. I mean, he could be dangerous. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to be a full workhorse anymore. He can't no, do no. it anymore. But he's still. You can see when he's in the game, the guy's fantastic. So uh, if you can get him on a team for t- ten touches a game, I, I'd, I'd probably take him in dynasty because. You know, as a, you know, week, as a flyer, a, a bye week fill in kind of guy, because he's going to have games where he's going to score two and three touchdowns a game. You just get lucky and plug him in that week, and there you go.
1: If that's your flex on a given week where you have some guys on a bye, yeah. so be it. Your second flex, right?
0: Exactly. That's, yep. So the last of the rumors, Zach, Mil- Zach Ertz is still not getting traded. I think he's sitting out camp, it looks like right now. We're kind of demanding a trade. That's, that's kind of a thing of the past now, but the way the players' agreements is signed up, but, uh, Tom Brady and Trevor Lawrence have not started throwing yet uh, due to minor surgeries. Antonio Brown's got another lawsuit filed against him for uh, something that happened before with the moving guy in the last situation with his ex-wife whatever. whatever. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, this kind of hurt my heart a little bit because he's always been like a fantasy darling to me. Deshaun mm-hmm. Hamilton uh, he reportedly tore his ACL off the premises. Uh, you know, they're making a big deal about it wasn't at the, at the facilities almost like they're not going to cover it or, you know, it's not part of his contract now because it didn't happen at the facility. So I don't know what they're going to do with that. But I always liked Deshaun Hamilton. I just feel like, uh, you know, he was this close to breaking out and it just didn't happen. And, you know, and then he got buried with the Gordon Sutton and Sutton, you know, and everybody on that team. And they got a great tight end and another compliment receiver. And he just never panned out. And uh, this might have been his year, but uh, that, that ain't going to happen. He might just be one of these guys who could have been somebody and just never panned out. So, yep. Yep. Could be the case. But uh, we've got some commissioner questions here. Um, uh, do you? How many local leagues are you playing? And uh, how many online leagues? How many local leagues? Are all your stuff all in
1: person? Just kind of. Um, so I have, I'm like, I got a pen and a paper. So it sometimes helps me think. So I run a offense and IDP league. My brother runs a team back home. Um, That was a draft this past weekend. Uh, I'm in a gauntlet league with some other guys. Uh, So that's three. And then I'm in a keeper league with um, some guys back home too. So I got four home leagues. I think I have another. um, I have one on Yahoo. I have a lot on Sleeper. uh, I have yours now as well. So I'm pushing a lot of leagues right now. Um, But I'd say probably four or five of them. I have the ability to link up, uh, with guys and, you know, draft in person, uh, this past weekend we did, uh, at my brother's house. He just moved in pretty close. Uh, we had the live draft, um, there. So that was cool. You know, and it, it, it I know a lot of people knock uh, offline drafts on, on, you know, ESPN and things like that, but, um, I think it's, it's very personal, you know, when you go and you go to some guy's house and they, we put it on the big screen TV and we draft that way, um, two weeks ago, I had my draft at, at, uh, his house as well, because he had a housewarming party and everybody got a little bit crazy there, but you, you remember those times with your league mates, you know, so, uh, plenty, plenty of drafts offline with, you know, people from Twitter and things like that, but, uh, it's a good mix. I, I'd say I have a good balance of the, the home, the home leagues, and then the leagues from guys all over the country. Yeah. Home leagues are, uh.
0: Definitely a thing. I'm the only not, not The only league I'm not in a home league is the Scott Fish Bowl. That I've been in there four years in a row. Now I got lucky to get in. I saw you got the invite the same day I did. So that was that was pretty nice. For, first time
1: for me. So I'm I'm a rookie. Rookie for that. It's super nice. Though.
0: Get used to a big. Uh, you're gonna get like if you're number four, you're gonna get a bit, uh, whole. You're gonna be added to these groups of number four uh, drafts where everybody talks about who they should draft at number four in every round. And then you will be added to the uh, the Scott Fishbowl one, and they're like, all of a sudden you're gonna have five new chat groups with a hundred thousand people in there, all trying Jeez. to you know, it's it gets it's gonna get wild, but it's it's super fun. Enjoy it while it lasts because it's over before you know it, and then it's you know try to get in next year. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah.
1: I did try last year, but I was like at the tail end trying to get in way too late. Knew nothing about it, to be honest. I, I didn't know much about it at all. So I'm excited about it. I think it's uh, obviously for a great cause and you can have some good competition in your leagues. Uh, you got celebrities, you have some analysts and you have fans. So it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's, I made it to the third round of the playoffs one year. That was the farthest I went. But it was uh,
0: I, I've made the playoffs. Every year I've been in there, so that's uh, that's it's, awesome. It's been nice, yeah. Um, so we got a couple more questions. We'll kind of skim through these. Um, do you like big time scoring leagues, or are you kind of like a just basic PPR, basic kind of leagues with not too much going on? I guess I already mentioned before that I like the more scoring, the better. I want if I can find some way to score seven hundred points a game, I make it happen. You know. But uh, what about you? I
1: uh, I don't have a major preference as long as it's not having a huge impact on the way that I would draft in that league. I mean, I, obviously you got to pay attention to the, the league settings and the roster settings and things like that before you make any sort of um, draft for, for the league. But at the same time, um, everybody has the same chance to score X amount of points on a given week. So as long as you are paying attention, just in general, if you're paying attention to the league settings, the roster makeup, I don't, I don't have a big preference. I I can see both sides um, to scoring for everything and scoring for just, you know, the basics of things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, again, everybody's got the same chance uh, in a league to, 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 to score for different um, areas and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind. I like long touchdown. I like the the PPR with a bonus for
0: like a 20 yard touchdown. You get a bigger bonus for a 40 yard touchdown pass, a 40 yard touchdown catch, a 60 yard touchdown catches more points, an 80 yard touchdown catches more points. That I don't want cool. points at top cool. of points. You should I mean it's the same thing as like a field goal. Why would you get three points for kicking a 10 yard field goal? Or like the minimum would be a 17 yard field goal, I guess. Why would you get the same three points for a 17-yard field goal as a like a 62-yard field goal? You should that, get bonuses that, for all that kind that, of stuff.
1: That one, that's a big one because a, a lot of leagues have been fading kickers. I'm still in two or three that actually have kickers, but we do make sure that in those leagues you have to have that separation because anybody can do a 10-yard field goal. Why should it be worth the same? Um, but, yeah, it is it, it is interesting because people people will argue about something like that for – for kicker scoring, you know, uh, verse uh, yardage gains and things like that. Yeah. I've, I've always been the guy who just takes, I wait to my very last
0: round and I find the kicker who has the farthest bio week in the season, you know, on a decent team. And that's all I care about. Like, okay, I'm this, I'm going to, I'm going to have a quarterback for my, or a kicker for my first 11 weeks. And then it's just buy and at that point in time, I'll know if I want him or change him or somebody else comes up or somebody yep. accidentally drops a kicker. I can pick somebody else up, but that's it. So F- uh,
1: funny thing is, uh, uh, I joined a, Start up with a bunch of accounts from Twitter, a bunch of good friends from Twitter, and it is a double kicker league. So you can start two kickers, two kickers. Sounds terrible. Inter- interesting, interesting. Uh, what's your thoughts
0: on the schedule for leagues with divisions this year? Like I, I've always been in leagues with divisions. A lot of people make fun of them. They just go by points, or just by, you know, uh, you know, some other scenarios. But uh, we have four divisions in in the league you're going to be in with me. There's four divisions with three teams in each division. Uh, in a scenario like that. You know, each player plays their own division opponents in week one and three, and then one, two, and three, and then they play them again 11, 12, and thirteen. So the division games are super important because you play your people twice, and it, it's right at a playoff time when they when they, you know your final matches are. So uh, the problem this week is that there's a there's a, a bye week in week fourteen. So yep. I, I I don't know what I'm trying what I'm contemplating now for doing all these leagues is do I have a do I just have a complete bye. In week 14 for the entire league and then do playoffs 15 16 and 17 or just say hey if you didn't get to buy if you're not one of the two teams because like teams uh one and two will get to buy in both brackets you know toilet bowl bracket yep. and the winner's bracket so just kind of say hey if you guys didn't get to buy too bad you're sol and then have a two-week championship in week 16 and 17 or you know what
1: do you how do you feel what do you what do you think uh should be done about this schedule situation it it is interesting. I, I've seen a lot of people just bumping an extra week and going through um, that seventeenth week. But uh, early on, I had some guys from the home league that were thinking about it right away. And my my big thing was get the consensus and then evaluate from there. You know, l- l- let's see what the big let's see what the big guys that run the big sites. I mean, I'm not going to say you know Matthew Berry and Field Yates are the end all be all, but when you see maybe more of a consensus to a recommendation, build off of that. I mean, when it comes to divisions, like you're saying, um, sometimes it has some impacts and things like that. But um, I, I don't like to personally reinvent the wheel. I, I don't want to put down, you know, the, the piece of paper and the pen and say. This is what should happen, and I don't care what any other league's doing. This is what my my league is going to do. So I, I think the big thing is just going to be see what the consensus does, um, but also as a league commissioner, you need to uh, have an opinion but also get the survey from the rest of the room because this is new for fantasy football, and if you just say, this is how it is, this is what we're doing, too bad if you don't like it, then that's not being the best commissioner. So I think, I think it'll be important to find – Find the go-to route, but then survey the room and say, "Hey, this is what I think. What do you guys think for the league?"
0: Yeah, the the, the problem was, yeah, before with the with the, the uh, people in your division was you played each division players twice, and you play the nine hundred games where you played one, you played every other team one time. So now that will be if you had that one extra week throw you'll be playing one other team twice you know that you don't mm-hmm. it's if you're random and it's gonna be problems of why are we gonna play him twice or why why is he get to play him twice or that guy's team sucks and he gets two easy wins the whole season why did it you know so yeah. I, there's tons of problems with that so we'll have to like you said we'll put it to a vote in every league i'm in and you know that we'll put it to a vote in our league too and just see what happens so yep yep that's all you can do yeah so how do you schedule your off seasons and um in your leagues, like what, how do you implement a taxi squad after the setup?
1: Are, do you do you do you have taxi squads first of all in your leagues? The, my first experience with taxi squad ha- have actually been in this off joining some other leagues. I personally, for the home leagues, we've never done something like that. I've been in two different kinds of leagues where um, one dynasty I'm in the bench spots are very deep. The other one is not, so it's kind of just a free for all. Uh, of adding and dropping and trading and things like that in the off season, So um curious to hear about your your, your experience, though, because I, I taxi squads have been big for a lot of leagues, and it's just something I've not had an experience with.
0: I'm not a big fan of them because some people will sit – they'll trade for every draft pick, and they'll have a 35-man taxi squad, and it's like you have 35 free players on there, you know. It's, it's not really – I, I just I think it's it's too big of a advantage for some people who are behind and they just they suck a ball of draft picks and the teams in win now mode are like, yeah, I'll I'll take this guy for you know, you take my whole draft and I'll take, you know, whoever. It's it's it gives some people a big time unfair advantage. But you know, we play with our, our league is gonna have the losers bracket as potential points as the that's we have a draft lottery system with little lotto balls and you know, you get like 40 lotto balls if you had the least amount of potential points. The second place is 25 balls, 15 balls, 10 balls, 5 and 4 or whatever. So the, the problem with a taxi squad is on, on, on a lot of these sites, they don't count the taxi squad towards potential points that you could have had if you win. But that's not, you might have an extra 12 or 15 or 20 guys in your taxi squad. So we have to vote on who, I don't know, how many people come in a taxi squad. I like to do my leagues like kind of like we started – this the one we're doing now. Year one yeah. is twenty five twenty five man rosters, and then year two will import the five man rosters, the five rookie draft rosters. So we'll expand the whole lead to thirty. And then year three we'll vote and see if it ta- we want a taxi squad, go to thirty five people, or just leave it at thirty. I'm hundred percent fine with having twelve team thirty man rosters. I think there with no kickers, no defense, I think that's that's plenty of people to have in a player pool. Still, it still it it makes people trade. There's not much of a waiver wire, but there's still people out there too, too. So, I'm not a humongous fan of the taxi squad. Some people love them because they're in these super deep 47 man leagues, you know. And it's yeah, that's just too much at that point in time. There there would never be a waiver wire, you know. You might pick up like you know Minnie Mouse's third kid or something like that, but I mean, it's there's nothing left at at that point in time. And
1: and I I'm a big fan of I mean maybe maybe in leagues that are like semi deep that still have that minimal waiver wire where it's the deep league guys that end up panning out. But I'm i I'm a fan of playing the waiver wire because I think it's a big part of fantasy football, even in the dynasty leagues. Um, my, the one home league I'm in my brother's league, there's always a waiver wire. You know, I mean the squads are not super deep, but they're deep enough to have a cushion for if you have injuries and things like that. But uh, playing the waiver wire is huge. I mean, if you look at, uh fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball and fantasy hockey the waiver wire for those leagues is part of how it all operates so i think with uh fantasy football some of these taxi squads where you have like you said 20 guys sitting on a taxi squad you're having too many guys sit on a team that may never be touched and they may be wanted elsewhere but they're not traded and things like that so I I definitely am uh, a fan of having somewhat of a waiver wire, um, especially if you have fab and things like that, or else it's kind of pointless to have that.
0: Yeah. Last question as far as that, do you like fab or do you like uh, the waiver wire, the traditional waiver wire system where the guy who's
1: in last place gets first pick? Fab, fab for sure. Um, I've been in leagues that only did the waiver order (laughs) and fab has actually been new for some of the home leagues the last like two years. Uh, But, If me and you both like a guy, it's going to come down to who puts down the most money on the guy. And if you win, then you lose that money. I think it's just the most fair way. If a guy's losing, should he have the highest priority to get the best guy in the waiver? I don't don't know. Why is he losing? Is he losing because he had a poor draft? Is he not setting his lineups correctly? I mean, there's so many reasons why guys don't do well in fantasy. Um, I think everybody should have that opportunity from a financial standpoint to to bid on players regardless of your record and uh yeah I'm a big I'm a big big fab guy um I some leagues have a thousand some some leagues have 200 100 it just depends on how how much of a separation you want from the bidding I guess in terms of how high or low that actual fab dollar is going to be you're going to have a thousand man budget in my league just
0: because of the fact that it's so much fun like I say it all the time it's so much fun when you bet when you put in Nineteen dollars, and the guy, you know, right below you, put in eighteen dollars, and it's like uh, instead of putting one or two or three, you just have a little bit. Even the the bottom tier waiver wire guys, you can put one dollar on or two dollars on or three dollars on. But when it gets to like important players, who I like, the, like the James Robinsons last year, somebody's gonna put like eight hundred and sixty-two dollars on James Robinson, and somebody else is gonna put like eight hundred and seventy-four and beat them up by like twelve
1: dollars on the nine. You know, it's and that's, like, oh. and that's the difference. And that's the difference. <laughs> It's, it's fair, be, though. I mean, that is pretty yeah. fair, though, because you got to be strategic about it because you spend it, you lose it. I mean, last season, if you spent uh, money on Mike Davis, that was great for fantasy, you know, in redraft leagues. Um, but if you spent it on Ernest Johnson from the Browns, which I, I did in one league, uh, it was yeah. a big hit. It was a big hit. So it, it it's so it's always it's always interesting to see how people spend their money because some people do it week one and two and then they're done for the year.
0: Well, you could trade fab, wire, fab Money in our league too. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. definitely a tradable asset. So, uh, all right. So moving on here, we do t- trade evaluations every week. I sent you a team. I put it on Twitter also. Um, we evaluated a team. Uh, was sent in by a listener to decide if it's a simple, simple remodel or if it's a full-scale rebuild. Uh, this week, we have a team that was an orphan and was taken over by my, by my friend, Sean Roach, who coincidentally will be in our new league also, uh, Roach's team, uh, this summer. And you already met him once in McBride's. Um, we had a uh, our draft position lottery where I nailed the 101 pick, which is uh, I plan on taking a match with Patrick Mahomes. Shocker. Are, are, are you sure about that? And the, <laughs> I mean, there's a guy with a 102 who I'm trying to trade for with, uh, you know. I see this crazy trade come through, but it's a little bit more to ask for a 2, 3, and 4 for the number 102. Or that oh, number. yeah. So I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, is there anything you want to throw out there now to maybe uh, – Maybe sell that one oh two.
1: Man, and we, little, we, we I, I think both I think both of us probably are on the same boat of liking the deal, but it's so hard in a dynasty startup when you're dealing with the guy right next to you at one oh one and one oh two because it's pretty predictable who's gonna go where and then you know if, if you give up too much or if I give up too much, it's probably gonna mess our whole draft because we're right next to each other.
0: If I see if I do have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen at one hundred one and one hundred two, and I'm like yes, and then I see you at the second pick, and, you know you're gonna, you're going to take you know you know I don't know who would do at at that point in time, you'd probably take.
1: I'm not telling you now, so you you can guess. I'm not telling. You. <laughs>
0: you're going to take uh, my guy, Chris Godwin, and then way, way back around, take DJ Moore, and I'll sit there and drool and say, what the hell did I do? It really wasn't worth it. I can't do it. I need take Matt Stafford in round five, and I'll be like, son of a bitch. I, I could, all this for Josh Allen, I just can't do it. Yep. But yep. it's going to be tough to swallow. But I'll, I'll keep sending offers. We'll see what happens. Um, for sure, for sure. I'm itching know, to draft in that league. Itching. Yeah, Stephen Johnson just joined in. We got a couple people on there, like a lot of Twitter guys that are you know really – uh, you know, they have their own podcasts and websites and stuff, and yep. uh, it'll be fun. It'll be real good. So we have. A, I'm going to put my this team up here to see what uh, what the biggest team needs are. Right, we'll go through. The, we'll run through the team first of all, and then we'll kind of uh, let's see. Let me get this up here. I'm terrible at the StreamYard thing. I'll get it one day. All right, so here is the team. It's a Dynasty Superflex PPR tight end premium 0.75. 10 starters, 30 total players, 5-point touchdown, 2-point interception uh, for passing, 6-point rushing and 6-point receiving, some small bonus, accomplished bonuses, like 6 points for 100 yards, Um, you know, 8 points for – I think it's 8 points for 200 yards rushing, which barely happens, rushing and receiving. And this guy has – in 2021, he has a 106, 109, 205, 311, 405, and 505. And in 2022, he has uh, he has all five of his picks in 2022. So he he's able to. I just traded a Miles Sanders. I, uh, he traded me Miles Sanders, and I gave him the 109 because I didn't like who is at the 109 this year's draft. I, I just don't feel like the people there are going to be as good as Miles Sanders are right now. So. You know, I don't know if that seemed fair to me. Some people mocked me for it. Some people love it. Some people love Miles Sanders. Some people hate him, but at 109, I think it was worth it. So it was 109 and 311 I traded. So he's got that. He's rebuilding a little bit, but his team consists of Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, Cam Newton, and Kyle Allen. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Kyle Allen there, but his running backs, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, Darrell Henderson, and then it just kind of dwindles real fast. That was Andy Madison, James White, Josh Kelly. I got James White again on there. Matt Breida, Malcolm Brown, Jamal Williams, Boston Scott, Wayne Gallman, Mike Boone, Deion Lewis, Darrell Williams. Uh, short receiver list, Juju, Cooper Cup, Denzel Mims, Brandon Cooks, Christian Kirk, who I love, but it seems like he's just – they don't love him where he's at, you know, in in, in Arizona. Tyler Johnson, uh, up-and-coming guy, but kind of buried in the depth chart. Demarcus Robinson is supposed to be an up-and-comer on the Chiefs, but – that's a that's a nice receiving core. It's you know, it's it's a little bit deep, some depth, but he's gotta definitely has to make some improvements there. He, the, you know, that's yeah. it's uh it's not super deep. And he's got Robert Tunyon, Austin Hooper, Tyler Higbee, and Gerald Everett. Again, that's a nice for a tight end premium lead, it's a nice start, but he's gotta add, you know, probably um maybe one or two maybe one real good piece there. But you know, I don't know, where do you start like rebuilding? What would you tell this guy like, hey, well your first move should be this, your second move should be that or You know you're fine right there. Like just you know nail a couple draft picks or
1: what? What are your recommendations so far, right, for this team where it's at? So um, with with the quarterback situation, just to start, you you said this was a one or two. This is a super flex, you know, super flex. All right. So so right away, I mean, Matt Ryan, I think, is set up nice this year to be successful. Just with that receiving core, Daniel Jones has some improvements, but. I don't, I don't know if we look at either one of these guys from a dynasty perspective and say, hey, one of these two is a top 10 dynasty value right now. Uh, and you really need a third. So um, for a super flex league, I always recommend having a third, maybe even a fourth quarterback on your your, your chart here. So Cam Newton might play this year at some point, maybe in the beginning, but he's set up to lose that job at some point. So I'm thinking with these, these picks that he has, that 106 might have to go towards a – Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson in a Superflex league just to add some depth to the quarterback position, just because we know how important the quarterback position is in Superflex leagues. So that, that'd be my first quarterback recommendation out of that core there.
0: Yeah, if you can get to 106, Trey Lance at one, even though I'm not a big Trey Lance fan, uh, you know, it's. 106 is, is definitely a great investment. And then 109, he can, if he can get Trey Lance and Mac Jones at those 106 and 109 pick to solidify maybe the future of his quarterback situation. Well, if Daniel Jones pans out this year, which he's supposed to, if if they gave him a couple weapons, you know, it's nice to have Kenny Galladay there and, uh, you know, hopefully Evan Ingram can catch the ball and, and uh, you know, there'll be a defense improves a little bit. Uh, you know, that's if you can have two up, young up-and-coming quarterbacks that do pan out, Along with Daniel Jones, that pans out, and you probably have another three years of Matt Ryan. Uh, you yeah. know, I, who knows what what's what's going to happen with that? There's this this is not a very deep quarterback class. So after this after that 109 class, he's SOL if he's planning on getting something
1: later in the draft. No, you're that, yeah, you're you're grabbing somebody like uh, uh, a Mond or a Trask or something that you're going to have to wait a while for them to even play. So yeah, yes, um, and uh, so. As far as quarterback goes,
0: that's really his only option, or unless he wants to trade Matt Ryan for some other young and up and comers or some guys, you know, that's there's people aren't that high on Sam Darnold, you know, that is, if he can get Sam Darnold a couple, maybe a, a couple, a better running back or a Sam Darnold and a, another receiver or a, a decent up and coming tight end that, you know, maybe try to make that move. But Matt Ryan right now is in a win now team. I'm not sure this team is really built for a win now. I think they're kind of, uh, I think this team is, it's a good team. He's got good starters, but his depth is at every position is kind of uh, pretty weak.
1: Yeah, I think I, I like that suggestion with uh, Sam Darnold. I I'm a lot higher on on Darnold than other people are, and I have been. Um, so I think Matt Ryan uh, is going to be that big flashing light for a team that wants to win this year because I think he he's a guy that's going to be in a high high passing uh, volume offense uh, on a team that probably is going to be from behind just because the defense. Uh, tends to give up some points. So yeah, good points there. Um, You said with the depth, the the running back room here, the the top two from a dynasty perspective, a lot of people are very high on Cam Akers. And then David Montgomery just had a season where he was the RB4 um, overall. So I think these two guys right here have some good value. Uh, Two young guys as well, but then you go down the list and, can any of these guys be involved at all this year? I I don't know. Um, a lot of these guys are buried. I mean, D- Daryl Henderson and can I mean him and Cam Akers having both. That's that's a good safety blanket. Madison, a lot of people like is that uh one of the top handcuffs in the league. James White used to be a big pass catcher. He was like the RB seven. I don't know a couple of years ago. Uh, but the 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 rest of these guys here, I I don't know if they're going to play at all. You know, right. Um So I I almost wonder. I mean, if this team's kind of trying to shape itself, Cam Akers and David Montgomery, I think that's your base, but you might have to make some sort of move to have some depth just in case, knock on wood, that one of those guys gets injured or you got to prepare for a bye week. So I I might be going for a very cheap asset uh, to trade for um, if that's the case or with his draft picks, I forget which ones he had specifically, but. You might be able to grab a guy with the two. The two hundred five might be a guy like a maybe, maybe like a Michael Carter who can get volume um, right away and and be involved, or a uh, a Trey Sermon who might pan out later. I don't know if he's going to play a lot this year or not.
0: Yeah, Trey Sermon's been uh, like uh, I love Trey Sermon, but you know he ended up in a great situation, but I'm not sure how great the situation is because there's so many people there. But I think he can win the job right from day one uh that's that's just my opinion just because i'm so high on him i'm, yep. I'm again that I'm, I'm an optimistic guy like you know <laughs> you saw my evaluations before you heard my evaluations before yep but uh yeah michael carter would be a great pick if trace herman or michael carter fall to 205 that's he's got two quarterbacks one of those two running backs i running backs and then 311 405 and 505 those are all just kind of dart throws at some you know, some players that, you know, maybe we talked about before, you might get lucky, you know, because it, maybe a couple quarter, all them quarterbacks that, that are way back in most people's, you know, draft or, uh, rankings. Maybe somebody takes flyers on quarterbacks before they take a running back or a wide receiver guys who are stacked other positions. And, you know, the 311, somebody, some golden goose falls 311 to five oh or 405 to him.
1: So, you know, the whole three, yeah, that's- the
0: draft pans out.
1: That's the a benefit of a super flex league, too, is that, you, you know, the quarterbacks are going to be taken. So that continues to push um, some of the other skill players down the draft board. So that, that that's a nice benefit. Yeah, he's a uh, Juju. you know, it's, you got to like some of these guys. I,
0: I love Cam Akers, but I mean, people just are. Kind of poo-pooing all over Cam Akers this year, saying he's not going to happen. It's it's a great offense, but it's not. It's, it's they're going to try and pass more. It's not a, the defense is so bad that they're going to have to run. They're going to have to pass instead of running. He's a great receiving back out of the backfield too. I don't get the Cam Akers hate. I think he's probably the most talented running back. You know, out of the, I wouldn't say the talent, but there's there's the top three ta- top three guys from last year that I think that are real close neck and neck that Cam Akers fits right in there with uh, Montgomery. I, I don't know. I, he it was the whole backfield to himself last year. Towards the end of yep. the season, great schedule, no competition. Cordell Patterson was the only other running back in the backfield at the end of the year, so he was getting all the receptions, all the everything. And it's not going to be that way this year. Is he's, he's going to? Everybody's back. They drafted a couple of running backs too that aren't going. I'm sure they're not going to be taking much. But every little bit that Tariq Cohen's going to get his reception. He's receiving back. They signed uh Damien was it Damian Williams for the Chiefs. Yep. They signed up. Yep. And that's another guy that's going to be getting three or four, you know, I mean, probably maybe 10, 12 snaps, you know, plays a game. That's all going to eat into what he did last year. And he didn't do anything until he had an easy schedule and no competition. So he's definitely somebody I, I want to, I'd try and get rid of him at top dollar if I possibly could. If have been built for the future and that, maybe some more draft picks or a better running back. I wouldn't bank I, on David Montgomery
1: saving my franchise. Yeah. I, I don't hate that idea either because if you think about it, again, he finished as a top. Ten running back this past season, but you have to keep in mind that CMC was out for most of the year. Saquon Barkley was out for most of the year. Nick Chubb had a couple of weeks out. Austin Eckler was banged up this year, and then you add guys like Najee Harris, you know, into the mix now. And um, I don't know if he's going to finish as high as he did this season, uh, maybe ever again. So, if if you need depth. Maybe maybe you can do a, a two for one here. You know, a, a running back that's going to get some touches in play, plus somebody else that you can plug in on a on a bye week. Yeah, I
0: I love Darrell Henderson. I
1: mean, just that I I wouldn't go as far as
0: to say like, hey, you're not going to get much for, for Darrell Henderson right now. He's kind of undervalued as far as I'm concerned. And if Cam Akers goes down, I think he's more than a sufficient backup that you know the, to to handle the workload and the Rams offense. Yeah. So I'd keep him around too. Same with Madison. James White, I don't know what's going to happen with that, that situation, but uh, his receiving core, Juju, uh, great receiver. He signed a one-year contract just to kind of, you know, stick around to see Ben, you know, ride Big Ben into, into the sunset kind of thing. But who knows how good Big Ben's arm's going to be and who knows who's going to be the future of the quarterback right now uh, the, for that season. Juju, I think, is a little bit overvalued in a lot of people's uh, evaluations. The same with Cooper Cup. He's got some good years, he's got some good stats, but I'm not seeing that trend continuing forever. Denzel Mims is another guy. I like Denzel Mims, but he's been supplanted, I think, you know, as far as the number one receiver on his own team now. Brandon Cooks on the Texans, who knows going to be throwing the ball this year to, the, you know, on that team. It, yeah. I don't think it's going to be at all, you know, um Watson. So, who knows what's going to It's a lot of question marks at receiver here, even though they're good players, the buy different name value, I don't think fantasy value is 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 uh exactly what he has here
1: yeah it's uh like you just said it's a lot of question marks uh Juju is he the wide receiver one the two or the three on the team will the team pass the ball as much as they did this past season or will they implement a running back now that they have one you know that that's a big question is he talented absolutely uh Co- Cooper Cup Cooper Cup a lot of people like I'm I'm not super high in Cooper Cup. I'm a big Robert Woods guy. Uh, I think Cooper Cup has a lot of good games, but also a lot of bad games too. Um, so I, I I hate to juggle that back and forth. Um, Denzel Mims, you got Corey Davis, you got Elijah Moore now. Uh, guys that can make plays in the system again, where where's the volume going to go? I, I I don't know. Um, Brandon Cooks I'd keep because I think his uh, trade value is very low right now, but he's a guy that has been a top 10 to 15 wide receiver consistently throughout his career on different teams. So I know the quarterback situation is kind of murky right now, but he is the wide receiver one on that team. And I don't think it's close. So I, I I'd hang on to him because he had a lot of good weeks last um, last year, obviously with Deshaun Watson, but um, he's a guy that's that, that can ball out. He has great receiving yards every single year. So it, that that that's a got to hang on to just because if you try to trade cooks, you're not going to get anything firm right now. Right. Uh, but I I de- I definitely think that this team if they want to compete, I think they got to figure out a way to get like one guy that you know week to week is going to be a consistent scorer because right now I see a lot of guys that can have big weeks but also can have a lot of bad weeks as well. And it's not best ball. So um, I think they got to find a way to get one guy that on a weekly basis, he's going to score somewhere between 15 and 25 points. And I don't know if they have that consistency right here. Yeah, this is a tough team. And it's
0: a, this isn't a team he drafted. It's, you know, he took over an orphan for somebody that, uh, you know, um, you know, had to leave or, you know, it's yeah. one of those little situations. So he he's generous enough to take over this team. And he's got a lot of work to do here. Robert Tunyon's not a bad option at tight end. Austin Hooper's not a bad option at tight end, but I, I'm not sure the Browns are going to keep Austin Hooper around after another year. Or so They're, they've kind of uh, – they they may have found their future in some of the other tight ends they they drafted or already have. Uh, they don't want to – nobody wants to spend big money on a tight end. So that's uh, – you know, especially when, when when tight ends are almost a dime a dozen in this league now. There's only a couple handful of ones, and that's not really their offense going through the tight end. So – they have a plenty of great plenty of better options already around him. Yep. Um, I like Higby, but you know, Gerald Everett, we'll see what happens in Seattle. I, you know, who knows? But I mean I he's think, t- uh, oh, that's not that's not the best. Rebuilding a tight end, I think, is the number one it's number one priority here. I, I think uh his situation is dire when only having two quarterbacks that's probably the number one rebuild running backs I, I think the last place you build on running backs because they're they're they have a shelf life of two or three years and by the time you built everything up around them the, the running back you already just traded for might be already past his prime or you know saw how fast guys die off in the NFL at the running back position so I go after quarterback first try and find some receivers second I'm, I'm okay with Tanya still 26 years old He's a pretty good writer. He's a really good tight end, especially if Rogers sticks around for a couple of years. Yep. And then I I let these guys. Cam Akers is a great building block if you're if you're going to have your you start your running back. You got a 21 year old Cam Akers. He's got two or three years at least. You know, I'm thinking as the running back RB one for the Rams. But you're going to have to rebuild. But you could take time on that. So if if this is your strategy, where would you start? Where would you end uh, rebuilding this team or or uh, or you know
1: remodeling this team? Uh, just just to touch briefly on the the tight ends, I think all of those guys. If you can just scroll down real quick, so yeah. Um, so Tunyon, this past season, he was a top. I don't know, seven tight end. Austin Hooper had a great year with the Falcons. I don't know if he's going to be in, involved in the long term plan, like you said, because of Harrison Bryant. Um, Tyler Higby was great at the end of what not this past season, the year before. And then Gerald Everett is a guy that's a sleeper. So if one of these guys pans out, I think you're fine. You know, yeah. I, I don't think every team needs a shoot for Travis Kelsey or George Kittle or Darren Waller. I think if one of these guys ends up as a top seven, eight, tight end then you know you're fine in that department. He he has depth there as well. Um it, and then if you can scroll up really quick too to the uh the picks. I think we I think we said one six go for that other quarterback mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. Maybe we can trade Matt Ryan for a, a younger quarterback uh to have long term with a contender and get the most capital out of that. And then um with the the one nine I think that's going to be an interesting pick because I think that you might be able to get a guy that uh, can provide you some better depth, either at the running back or I don't know about the wide receiver position. Who's going to be there at, at one nine. I, I think like we said before, there's a lot of decent guys at wide receiver, but if we can either trade, um, maybe we can even trade this one nine pick for uh a better wide receiver option. I'm, you know, I'm not entirely sure there, but good foundation on this team. So, you know, you and I are talking a lot about how it can improve. I think down, down the list, he has a good foundation at, you know, quarterbacks. It's not terrible. It needs improving, but running backs, good foundation tight ends fine. Um, But each round, I I think I'd, I'd have a goal each round. All right. So round one, one six, I'm going to get one of those top quarterbacks, one, nine, I'm going to address the best position for either running back or wide receiver, Uh two, five, I'm going to go after uh wide receiver for some more depth. And then maybe three 11, I'll, I'll go after this person. So I, I would have a goal each round on what to do. And if guys are in this draft, not falling the way that helps this team, I might trade one of those picks because we all know that rookie drafts, they, they, they they get uh they can get kind of crazy on draft day for um guys actually wanting those picks. Yeah, that's uh, I think in these
0: rookie drafts you have to go over like you got to start looking later on to running backs with your later later picks. I think you just got to take chances on you know running back players. You know Jamar Jeffersons. Uh, you know I don't know it's who else is out there. Jared Pattersons. Uh, just some guys um, that you know. And uh, Kenny Inagwe from uh, the Vikings, guys are great special teams players. Kylen Hill, you know Elijah Mitchell, you just kind of Chris Evans, guys like that went to the Bengals. Who knows what happened? Joe Mixon's been injury prone. Chris Evans is a stud. I mean, the guy's five uh, eleven, two fifteen. That guy's and he runs. He's a he's a great athlete. I I, uh, I would go after those later picks. I'd be definitely targeting some of the guys like Chris Evans and Elijah Mitchell and stuff like that to. Uh, you know, to add instead of what, you know, wide receivers usually don't pan out when they're drafted that late quarterbacks. If you get a quarterback that late, he's definitely been sitting for a while. So, yes. um, yep. I, uh, I would, I would try and get quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like you said, the tight ends in a good place right now, go quarterbacks, wide receivers at all my first, second and third round picks. And it takes some flyers on
1: deep uh, running backs later in the draft. Either that, or you can trade for one of those guys that costs like nothing right now. That might be your filling, you know, a guy like, uh, I don't know. maybe a guy like JD McKissick or something like that where, you know, he can step yeah. in and, and get, you know, have some PPR value. Um
0: Those are the things you got to do on draft
1: day when people are drooling at the picks when they had their
0: oh, he still fell, he still fell at
1: 311, he still uh, fell. Man.
0: And yeah. I just say, okay, you give me yeah, the three. If you can get if you can if you can get away with that 405 for getting a McKissick or something like that cuz somebody's drooling over some guy that fell, you, you pull won. the trigger. Yes, absolutely. For sure. So, yeah, but uh, well, I kept you here long enough, man. I was supposed to be an hour show, and I usually run over. All good, all so. good. <laughs> Thanks for joining me on my fun little hobby called the Commissioner Evaluation Podcast. I try to put it together every week, every other week, anyway. Uh, now that uh, not that any of the four people on Twitter who actually interact with me would uh, be <laughs> wouldn't already know you, but please tell everybody on Twitter where they could find you and where they can harass you at, and what you do
1: again. All right. Well, you can find me at P2W Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, That's where all the content comes out Um, live every Thursday with uh, Steffi Smalls on our show, Script Two Ships, and uh, usually live on Tuesdays, either with um, another host or on my own show as well. And then just look out for any sort of random uh, football, baseball, basketball, whatever the case is, uh, content that I produce uh at work when i'm not supposed to be doing those things so um yeah th- th- thank you again for having me on the show uh we probably could have talked for another hour but uh i i'd get in some trouble so i appreciate you uh you having me on and uh talking some football here i know you have to get up at like four in the morning to go work out which i don't have that problem I it's, have worked tomorrow, it's true so.
0: <laughs> but once again thanks for coming on and here's a little irish blessing for the way out we did a uh, shots at your house or your brother's house on saturday with the same thing but May your home always be too small for all of your friends. That's kind of my favorite toast. So thank you for coming on, and uh, away we go.
1: Good show. Good show.